Welcome to the Abbott Circle podcast. I'm Father Ambrose Christ, and I'm the novice master here at St. Michael's Abbey. We hope that you enjoy the following recording. To learn more about the Norbertines, visit theabbotcircle.com. God bless you. I don't know if there is a name for whatever act is the opposite of scandal. It's not quite good example because scandal isn't just bad example. When people give bad example, we're not likely to fall into sin because of that bad example if they're people we expect to sin. You know, if there's a, a bad person who's been living a bad life all the time, um, we don't expect them to do anything else, and so we're not led into imitating that sin. Or if a little child throws a temper tantrum, we're not scandalized, we're not led into sin. So bad people sinning doesn't seem to be scandal. Scandal happens when someone who is supposed to give a good example sins publicly. Someone we expect to give a good example ends up sinning publicly, especially a priest or a bishop or someone who's a practicing Catholic, that's when scandal really becomes dangerous. So the opposite of scandal would be when someone you expect to sin instead gives a good example. So whatever that is, whether we have a name for it or not, it's what the tax collectors and the prostitutes were doing in today's gospel when they repented at the preaching of John. Someone they expected to give a bad example instead gives a good example. They were giving anti-scandal. Now the fascinating thing is that this anti-scandal was intended by our Lord to be a remedy for the pride and the hardened hearts of the Pharisees. Jesus says that quite explicitly. John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe in him. As if to say, look, I'm giving you a a really easy way to repent. Even the tax collectors and the prostitutes are repenting. It should be easy for you. The same fact is recorded in today's first reading from the prophet Zephaniah. There, the prophet describes the city Jerusalem in these terms. Woe to the city, rebellious and polluted, to the tyrannical city. She hears no voice accepts no correction, and the Lord she has not trusted, to her God she has not drawn near. So this is a perfect image of the hardened heart, the person who does not want to repent, who can't take any correction from anyone else. So how does the Lord fix this? Well, what he does is he converts all the surrounding nations from their wicked ways, For then I will change and purify the lips of the peoples, the nations, that they may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, as far as the recesses of the north, they shall bring me offerings. God doesn't punish Jerusalem. He converts all the nations around. And then he concludes by saying, On that day you need not be ashamed of all your deeds, your rebellious actions against me. For then I will remove from your midst the proud braggarts, and you shall no longer exalt yourself on my holy mountain. 
St. Paul says something similar in his epistle to the Romans, where he says, A hardness has come upon all of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles shall be brought into the faith. And then, out of jealousy, the Jewish people will convert and turn to the Lord. So it's a fascinating way in which the Lord decides to correct the heart of heart. Why does the Lord use this method of correction rather than just punishing them? Punish the heart of heart. He does that sometimes. Well, I think it's because the heart of heart are so ashamed of their sins that they can't bear to reveal or to admit them. That's why the Lord says in the prophet Zechariah, on that day you need not be ashamed of all your deeds. When God converts a bad person and you see God converting that tax collector, that prostitute, you start saying to yourself, well, gosh, their sins are a lot worse than the ones I was hiding. Maybe, maybe I'll reveal a couple sins. It's not so bad. It, it gives us a way out. It's kind of God's gentle way of correcting sinners. See how gentle God is with sinners. And the flip side of that is what a beautiful thing that those with public faults can serve as a remedy for those whose faults lay hidden. Now, no one in this church is free from pride or hardness of heart or hidden faults. And some of our hidden faults are just hidden from other people. We know them well, but we refuse to say anything. And some of our hidden faults are even hidden from ourselves. And I had an instance of this just yesterday at Mass. I was celebrating Mass, and God revealed to me one of my hidden faults, which I consider to be a very serious one. During Mass, it occurred to me at the consecration and then again when I received communion, why isn't my heart filled with as much joy as is possible on this side of heaven right now? Why is that? The Eucharist is on earth what the beatific vision is in heaven. It's the same divine substance that's being given to us in the Eucharist So why is my heart, why is my soul not filled with the greatest possible joy and gratitude right now? You know, and you can make excuses for yourself, well, I don't have that Lumen Gloriae thing. But let's face it, is whatever I'm doing good enough? I can certainly do better with regard to rejoicing at the gift God has given in the Eucharist and being grateful for it. And that's my fault. And then the happy thought occurred to me to ask God, well, God, since I have sinned against you with my lack of joy and my lack of gratitude, please admit me to the beatific vision so I can do reparation for all eternity. I think that would be just like the mercy of God to give the beatific vision as a penance. (laughs) So we all have these hidden faults, these hidden sins, and no one should consider themselves a small sinner. There's a beautiful line from 
The brothers Karamazov, where the monk Zosima says, I did not find peace until I held myself responsible for every sin committed from the foundation of the world. The truth is that unless God in his grace had preserved us from sin, we would have all committed every possible conceivable sin. All of us. There's no one here who is free from that. So those are our hidden sins. But let's now turn to our public ones. There's no adult in this church who's free from public sins. Maybe the children are. Chesterton, I think, said on one occasion, children love justice because they're innocent and adults love mercy because they're guilty. (laughs) But there's good news for that too. What it means is that we can be an instrument of healing for our confreres, our family, for our friends. Perhaps we who can be expected to give bad example because of our many public sins can imitate the tax collectors and the prostitutes. You never know. It might even be a little fun to go around being anti-scandalous. Thank you for listening to the Abbott Circle Podcast. If you enjoyed listening or were spiritually nourished, please leave a review to help our podcast grow. Thanks again. God bless you.